Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Sports Day DFW podcast, Ballsy. I am Kevin Sherrington. I am Barry Horn. We are missing Evan Grant uh, for this segment. We're sorry about that. But joining us on the line is Chris Sims, former Texas quarterback and, and now working uh, covering uh, uh, for NBC in the, in the studio doing Notre Dame and also doing a little pro football work. For uh, pro football talk, I pro think Pro football that talk, is. Yeah, that it is, yes. So, Chris, welcome aboard. Thanks, man. I got to give, you know, yeah, I, um, I do that. I do the pro football talk for NBC. I do the Notre Dame pregame halftime. And I got to give, you know, my other thing, Bleacher Report. I am the lead NFL analyst for, for them as well, so I don't want to leave them out. But uh, I just wanted to get out there and now go ahead. Sorry. You, you know, it's all right. You're a busy guy. You got a lot of stuff going on. So if, 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 you I, can, if we I'm can. Trying, if, I'm trying to work, man. You know, I didn't make that, uh, that Eli Manning, Peyton Manning type <laughs> of cash on the football field. So I got to make it happen somehow off the field. So if we, if we take you out, there will be three major job openings in uh, sports media. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. You're right. Uh, it's, uh, but I'm not giving them up. So you're going to have to come up here and arm wrestle me for them or something. <laughs> no, we're not I can't that do that. Down, no. All right, so so Notre Dame has uh, has really shaken things up. Has there been a is there a team in college football that has come farther in the public imagination this season than Notre Dame has? No, it's hard to believe that. Certainly, uh, yeah, I think that's a pretty easy easy answer there. I mean. Uh, I'll say this, when I got offered the job, and of course, you know, like I said, I do a lot of NFL work, so not only, I love college football, I've always watched it, of course, I I do the draft, first three rounds, pick by pick, so watching Deshaun Kaiser last year on film, and watching some of the other players that were coming out in the draft, felt like I had a pretty good idea of what Notre Dame was going into the season, and of course, once I got this job with NBC, I, you know, continued to kind of dissect them more and more. Uh, I did think they would surprise people. And you can go back to what some of my articles I talked about them in early September and August. I thought the team had some potential. Am I going to sit here and tell you that I thought they were the number three team in the country at that time? No, I certainly did not. But I did see some things that I thought, ooh, wow, this is kind of a special. Uh, and they can maybe build on this and become something. And, of course, now here we are. They have become something. And without a doubt, are one of the best teams in college football. Chris, when you said that, did a lot of people poo-poo you in that Notre Dame every year, you know, it seems that they get in the preseason, people go, oh, they'll be good, they'll be good. Then the season right. starts, and then it's, it's kind of da- it's been downhill for a while. Did, did, a lot of, did a lot of people go, oh, you're just being a homer? You know, a little bit. And I think also they were shocked a little. They were like, really, you really think that? And I, you know, I was like, yeah, I really do. I mean, you know, again, I mean, uh, I've been around football my whole life. As you guys know, I mean, I grew up in a household. And when my dad retired from the NFL and the New York Giants, I was almost 14 years old. So I really was around it and had a good grasp on it. Of course, I went to Texas. And uh, so, I mean, it is funny because my whole life, uh, I've been mad, especially when I was at Texas, that I was, uh, you know, Notre Dame's overrated. They're stealing right. our BCS spot. <laughs> there you the go. <laughs> and then I finally start working for them, and, and nobody, nobody, now they're underrated. And I'm like, damn, the one year I got here, now nobody wants to give them any love. Um, <laughs> but the things that jumped out to me, first of all, the offensive line, as you guys know, you're watching college football. It is 
an almost an unstoppable force, especially that left side of the line with Mike McGlinchey and Quentin Nelson. That is, is as good as it gets in college football. I would say it's the best tandem on the left side in all of the game. Uh, and then I knew a little bit about the quarterback, Brandon Winbush. He's a Jersey kid. I watched him play in high school. You know, I live up here in the Northeast. I'm from New Jersey, so I watched him. I knew what he was capable of running the football, and all those things have kind of culminated along with the fact that, hey, we've got to give Brian Kelly some credit. Brian Kelly made some huge coaching moves uh, in that Notre Dame organization that really changed the whole outlook and culture of that football team, and they got it going in the right direction. So what you're saying is all Notre Dame had to do is get rid of the Martin brothers on the offensive line, and the offensive line got really good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Well, they haven't had any issues with the offensive line there for quite some time. I mean, as you guys know, between the Martin brothers, you know, Ronnie Stanley, they certainly have had some talented guys. But, uh, I, man, as a tandem on the side there, I mean, the whole offensive line is special. I mean, they, they legitimately have four NFL starting type of offensive linemen at some point in their futures when they get there. But the two guys on the left – I mean, McGlinchey's certainly going to be in the conversation for one of the top tackles taken in the draft. Quentin Nelson's even better in my eyes. I think he is the top guard in the draft, hands down. But, you know, tackles get valued more than guards usually. And, of course, you've got to put it into context of who else is out there and who else is being valued that high. But regardless, man, they are impressive and the holes they can open up. And then, of course, the running backs and, and quarterback can take advantage of those holes. So they've got uh, Notre Dame has Miami this week. Who, who do you have in that game? Well, I, I'm, gonna, I, I'm going with Notre Dame. I've got to see it to believe it. I mean, if Georgia's the number one team in the country, I was on the field there at Notre Dame with that Georgia-Notre Dame game. And uh, I believe, one, that Notre Dame is a much better football team than they were then. And I understand Georgia's better now, too. But there wasn't much difference on the field that night. Just that I'm just talking about the eye test and sitting there watching it in person. If you guys remember, that was a controversial one-handed incomplete touchdown pass that got overruled and called a touchdown. I mean, that's how close that game was to being to Notre Dame winning the football game. Uh, so, yeah, I, I got to see it to believe it that someone can stop Notre Dame and this offense. Uh, I know Miami is a good football team. They certainly have some size and physicality on that defensive line. They looked the part. I think this will be one of Notre Dame's biggest tests. But, yeah, I'm taking the Fighting Irish. So if Notre Dame wins out, you're, you're having them in the Final Four. You have them. Oh, yeah. I, you know, I, I have never been a fan of this college football committee, and I've been very critical of them. I mean, we got astronauts on there and politicians <laughs> and people who got no business making freaking decisions about football. I mean, as soon as NASA wants to let, like, Aaron Rodgers on one of their space committees, then maybe I'll say, okay, that's fair. That sounds good. But I don't think they have then, space committees. <laughs> you know, yeah, I just, it, it, I, but I will say, when it came out, and I didn't have much high hopes for it, I saw the top four and I said, holy crap, I, I think they got it right. I mean, I probably would have put Clemson three and Notre Dame four, but other than that, I had no problem with the rest of it. So it, it comes out, uh, we're being taped now before the actual uh, second week of the rankings CFP come out rankings. this week, right? So give me your top four then. Yeah, my top four, I think, as, as would be right now, is Alabama, Georgia, uh, I would probably go Clemson three, Notre Dame four. But I think the three, four spots, very interchangeable that way. But I really do think those are the four best teams in college football. Chris, Chris, we're sitting here in Big 12 country. 
We've got Oklahoma up the road. We've got TCU down the road from us, uh, 25 miles. Oklahoma's about 180 miles north of us. Uh, that, how do you like that game? That game's coming up this weekend. It's in Norman. TCU's at Oklahoma. Uh, certainly the winner of that has got to be considered uh, as a Final Four team, don't you think? Yeah, yeah. They're certainly considered. I mean, I like Oklahoma because I like Baker Mayfield. I mean, to me, Baker Mayfield's you know, hands down one of the best quarterbacks, one of the best players in college football on some of the Notre Dame telecasts. I've said, I mean, listen, I don't care what the hell his height is. He is reminds me of Russell Wilson and He's one of the top quarterbacks in my eyes coming out in the draft as well. Again, I don't give a damn. He can throw the ball with the best of them, and he's got great movement ability. And, of course, you guys see it. He's got moxie. He's fearless. Everything I would like as a quarterback other than that he's not 6'4". But he is a player in my eyes. So I like Oklahoma from that standpoint. Hey, guys, you know I like the Big 12. It's got a special place in my heart. But I'm not a big fan of Big 12 football right now. I'm really not. I, I don't think any of these teams are top four quality in my eyes. The conference has become a seven-on-seven flag football conference, and that does bother me. I don't always like watching 62 to 56 type of football games, and uh, I'm just not sure that you know it's sustainable in that way to consistently be a national championship contender when you've got teams like Notre Dame, Georgia, and Alabama who can make the game slow and physical and ugly and play a game that, you know, the Big 12 game teams don't want. They can control the clock with their run game. And uh, that's, that would be my two cents about, you know, the matchup this weekend in the Big 12. Speaking of running game, I was at the uh, Texas TCU game the other day, and it came out and on the official stats that Texas ran for their average per carry was one foot. One foot per carry is what it came down to. 26 carries, nine official yards. How does that happen at the University of Texas? Yes, uh, that's, it, it's almost impossible. Well, you know, how, how does anything that's happened at the University of Texas <laughs> happen? How did we fall this far off? You know, I mean, all of these things. This is, uh, again, I'm not blaming Charlie Strong. I'm not, you know, blaming Coach Herman there right now. I was with Coach Herman when he was there at Texas when I was there. You know, uh, and, and, of course, I'm not blaming Mac Brown either, but the talent level fell off at the end of the Mac Brown era. Mac Brown's last year there at Texas, they had nobody drafted in the NFL draft for the first time since, I think, 1937. So I think that tells you the state of Texas football. I mean, teams like Georgia Southern and North Dakota State have sent more players out in the draft the last few years than Texas. So, again, that speaks to where it's at. We've got to be patient with the Texas Longhorns. I would like to see them get away from what the rest of the Big 12 is doing. Like I was just saying, Texas is one of these teams, especially in the Big 12, that could get NFL offense alignment. They should be able to get an NFL running back, NFL defense alignment, and play more of an SEC brand of football, or at least a brand of football like Ohio State plays, where, yeah, they're in the shotgun, but there's a lot of power running uh, schemes that they do. They just do it within the shotgun. But to me, that's where the, the program, I hope, can go, and, and, and I really do think that, that Coach Herman can kind of straighten that whole thing out. I'd just like to get your thoughts on TCU, because uh, Gary Patterson doesn't play the same game everybody else plays, or he's not, he's not this year. They're not a seven-on-seven. Uh, you know, they're Much better defense. They, they, they play defense. They're, they're, not, yes. they're not big. They, they, they don't have the big, big, you know, big linemen, but he, but he gets the yeah. most, most out of his program. I uh, just want to get your thoughts on Gary Patterson's program at TCU. 
Yeah, I, I've always been a big fan of Gary, uh, Gary Patterson and what he's done at TCU. I mean, I think he's a phenomenal football coach. I mean, yes, uh, they've done it a lot of different ways throughout the years. They've had good defense. They've had good offense. Uh, to me, he is. He's one of the better coaches in all of college football. And I'll say this much. My dad is the one that really turned me on to him more than anybody. When he first started out, he kept going, you know, this guy at TCU, I'm telling you, Christopher, he's a pretty good coach. Um, that's my imitation of my father's <laughs> Kentucky accent, if you were wondering. Um, well, you, you, def- you definitely have a Jersey accent, I'll tell you that. I'm sure I do. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, but, but, yes, a great respect for what he does with that program. He makes them nationally relevant. Uh, which is not an easy thing to do at TCU, and really has put them on the map in the national scene uh, like they've been unable to do really out through the existence of college football, and, and I do. i got a lot of respect for him and the way he coaches his team and handles himself, too. You know, the amazing thing to me, uh, Chris, and I didn't notice that until earlier this year, and I was over at uh, another TCU game. This is his 17th season at TCU. Right. I mean, how many, how many places? There's only one coach in all of college in football. Iowa. In, in Iowa. Iowa, Kirk Ferentz, yeah. uh, who's been uh, – 19, I think. Uh, I think that's right, 18 or 19 years. That's, right. that's pretty phenomenal when you, when you think about that. He was coaching there phenomenal. when you were there. I mean, I, I think when you think about that, the first thing where my mind goes is he's obviously a stand-up person because you don't last that long if you're not a pretty good guy, you treat people the right way, you're fair, you're honest, and that's the way Kirk Ferentz is up in Iowa, too. I know him a little bit, and that's the way he is. And then, obviously, you've got to be a good football coach, X's and O's. You've got to be able to recruit. All those things are what Gary Patterson has showed, uh, that he is truly capable of doing that. And, and, you know, like I said a second ago, I mean, TCU really wasn't uh, a truly relevant team until he got there and made them into this, you know, powerhouse to a degree. So, uh, it, it is remarkable what he's doing, and it's not like TCU's a hotbed. It's not like kids, kids at the age of 14 are going, man, I'm going to TCU, Mom, when I grow up. Uh, he gets some of the leftovers, and I mean that with all due respect to the program and to Gary Patterson. And he, and he, he takes them, and he, and he finds new positions for them, and he'll, yes. t- he'll take a, college running, a high school running back, make him to a DB, or DB, make him to running back. Uh, you know, he, he's, he's very, good at, very good at what he does. You mentioned Baker Mayfield earlier. I just wanted to get your take on the Heisman race. Is he your Heisman number one? Um, oof, it's really close right now. You know, to me, the, the, when I really look at it, it it's, it's, you know, of course Josh Adams and Notre Dame's in the conversation, but him getting banged up a little last week and not being able to put some extra stats on the board hurts them, but I still think he is there. Baker Mayfield... You know, Saquon Barkley, I know they have the two losses the last few weeks and his stats haven't been great, but, man, I think on a consistent basis, I still think he's been the best player in college football all year long. He can't block them uh, and run the football at the same time. I mean, they, they haven't been able to open up a hole for him in the last two weeks, but I think I would still say Barkley's in the edge, but, man, Baker Mayfield is nipping at his heels. And, yes, if Oklahoma continues to win and finds their way in the Final Four, then I probably would say Baker Mayfield, uh, he, he would be the leader. But right now I'm going to say it's a close second. You know, one of the things about Baker that uh, – and, of course, he's had a, uh, an unusual career, I guess you would say, here in the Big 12, starting out at uh, Texas Tech as a walk-on quarterback, started seven games as a freshman – Played very well. Was he recruited by Texas down there? He, he went to high school in Austin. Yes, he did. Uh, I, I, you know what? I, I'm assuming he was not recruited by Texas. He would not have walked on at Texas Tech, I think, if he had been recruited by Texas. He wasn't tall enough, guys. That's a problem. Yeah, I, I, I assume that's what they're saying. But you know what? There's been 
We could go down a long list of quarterbacks, uh, Chris, that uh, that Texas missed out on, and and I know that you, as you said, you don't want to point any fingers at anybody, but it used to be kind of almost a parlor game of all the Heisman quarterbacks that that Mac Brown said no to uh, uh, around here. I mean, there was there was a long list of guys who who could have played, and in, in, in including a, a couple who are still playing, like J.T. Barrett, Correct. from Wichita Falls, that uh, playing in Ohio State at a pretty high right. level. Um, I, I think what I want to ask you about uh, about uh, Baker. Though, though, is that um, when, he, when he left Oklahoma, I mean, when he left Texas Tech and then went to Oklahoma, uh, and last year, early in the season, there were a couple of games uh, where even uh, uh, Mike Stoops or Bob Stoops said, uh, well, really, we, we, you know, that was kind of on Baker. He was, he's a little excitable back there at, at quarterback sometimes, sometimes tries to do a little too much. Have you seen that kind of go away this year? Yeah, I- I, I got nothing but positive things to say uh, about Baker Mayfield. And, and you know, when, even when he was at Texas Tech, I was working at Fox Sports 1 at the time, and I was announcing a few college football games. I mean, it was clear to me. Uh, they played – Texas Tech played Kansas. Uh, i got to remember what year that was. I guess that was 2013 season, yeah. maybe 2014. But I just – I said during the telecast, I said, man, Baker Mayfield's the guy. I stood out there during warm-ups. And I'm watching him here right now. I mean, he's athletic, and his arm is not just – it's not just college football good. It's NFL legit good. The kid is a natural, gifted thrower of the football who can throw the – you know, he's got a 100-mile-per-hour fastball. He can paint the corners. Uh, Like I said, I've likened likened him to Russell Wilson, and Russell Wilson is certainly in the conversation for one of the five best quarterbacks in the NFL. Uh, I think he has that style of game. And, yeah, was he a little reckless at times uh, from last year? Certainly. But that just comes with playing, being comfortable, understanding what you can and can't get away with. And I think he's got a really good feel for that now. And, and like I said, I enjoy watching Oklahoma play on a week-to-week basis because of Baker Mayfield. I mean, I know that sounds weird that a Longhorn enjoys the, the Sooners, <laughs> but – I think it's uh, I appreciate good quarterback play, and I do have respect for the Sooners and that, that whole football program. Chris, I have a question for you. It comes from my son, who uh, was at the University of Texas when you were there. Is it, is it true? Do you have a tattoo uh, on your body of uh, mentions Kyle Shanahan's name? I, I do. I have his initials. Uh, I round a big W. Him, Montrell Flowers, Rod Babers, and Bo Scaife. Uh, all, you know, uh, we all got a tattoo, you know, college days. I've had smarter decisions. Were you, so- <laughs> were you, were you sober at the time? I was sober. Okay. And, I mean, it's crazy because there was a lot of weekend nights where I wasn't sober. But this was one that I was. And uh, I, uh, yes. Uh, we were we were best friends, of course, all of us. And the, so what happened is we were really like the first freshmen on campus, uh, all five of us. And this upperclassmen started calling us the Wood because we hung out together all the time. And if you remember back at the time, there was a movie called The Wood about four best friends. I still never even seen the movie. I've never heard but, of it. <laughs> yeah, but it, but so regardless, you can Google it or something. But regardless, yes, it kind of stuck. We were the wood. Hey, there goes the wood. Hey, wood, what are you guys doing tonight? Blah, blah, blah. So we kind of embraced it. And, yes, I got a big W down on my leg uh, with all their initials around it. Like I said, I've made smarter decisions, but I don't totally regret it. It was a special time in my life. There were special friends to me and, uh, you know, something I kind of, you know, hold close to my heart. 
Chris, it's been great having Wait, you on. Wait, uh, before we let you go, I just want to get one thing. One, <laughs> well, one, why don't you go ahead and ask one quick, looking one, at me. One quick question. Uh, the Cowboys, <laughs> yeah. you, you, you follow the NFL pretty closely. Uh, yeah. uh, did you grow up a Cowboy fan? Are you one of the few people in New Jersey who actually grew up a Giants fan? Well, well I, I, yes, I grew up. I mean, of course, I grew up a Giants, and my did. dad was the quarterback. So yeah, yeah, but but that, I, but when but when my dad retired, I, I when my dad retired, I jumped on the Cowboys bandwagon hard. Really? Because, yes, I love Troy Aikman. I mean, you know, remember this too, guys. Like I said, I was a 13 year old boy. My dad went to the Pro Bowl and. My dad got cut by the New York Giants. He was one of the first salary cap casualties in the history of the NFL. In fact, he's the first major salary cap casualty in the history of the NFL. So I was a little bitter at the Giants at the time, too, as you can imagine. Uh, but, yes, I love Troy Aikman. And when my dad retired, he kind of filled that void for me to where I was like Sunday afternoons, man, let me turn on the Cowboys and watch number eight and watch him wheel and deal. And then, yes, from that point on, I started becoming a Cowboys fan and I still got great respect. I root for the Cowboys over the Giants right now to this day because I'm very close with Jason Garrett. We were, we've been together uh, many a times through the years. We're very good friends. He was down in Tampa with me as a backup quarterback one year. Uh, so uh, I, I really root for the Cowboys still, too, because I like Tony Romo. I like Jason Garrett. I root for Dak Prescott. And, of course, I think Ezekiel Elliott's one of the best players in football and, and a phenomenal running back. So they're, they're a fun team to watch. I cannot tell you how many people I know from New Jersey who are Cowboy fans. It's, it's remarkable. Well, I mean, hey, it's America's team. It doesn't matter what damn state you go into. There's <laughs> Cowboy fans. I mean, you know, the Cowboys are one of those teams when you're actually playing in the NFL, you hate when they come to your stadium. Because even when I was in Tampa, you know, the Cowboys came down there. I think we played them in 2003 or 2004. And, you know, the Cowboys fans infiltrate the stadium to where you look up and you go, damn, there's 30, 30 40% of this crowd is rooting for the Cowboys today. So as a player, you hated them, but I uh, got great respect for the organization. And, of course, like I said, great respect for Jason Garrett. Chris, we're done, right, Kevin? We're done, but we appreciate you doing this with us, Chris. You've been great. You're terrific. I I think you need to be more, a little more opinionated. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's the one thing. I mean, I'm a crazy Jersey guy, but at least you know I'm going to shoot you straight. I don't ever. I I don't bull. We'll just put it that way. Chris, Chris, here's the deal. Here's the problem with that. Now we're going to have to have you on again. Okay, that's fine. (laughs) All right. You got my number. Let me know if you want me again. Be well. Take care of yourself, and say hi to Phil for me. Thanks, guys. Okay, have thanks. a good day. Bye. There goes Chris Sims, who who may have broken the bleep meter that previously was established by uh, Barry Switzer, uh, and I, and I think that that one. Uh, I think Chris would be honored. He see, he has a lot of love for people for for quarterbacks from Oklahoma. Oklahoma, yeah, yeah. He, for Troy sure. Aikman, Baker Mayfield. Yeah. Well, why not? I was surprised that he was as big a fan of of Baker as he is. Uh, not, and not saying Chris, that, you know, it's not like Chris was five eleven when he played or six or six one. He's well, you know, that was that was always the the uh, the talk about uh, Chris Sims when Mac Brown recruiting was that he was a you know as you remember Major Applewhite was the other quarterback at the time and uh, and he brought in Chris and he was Chris was considered the the perfect pro style quarterback so everybody who criticized that move criticized it. Because they felt like all that Mac wanted was a, a pro style quarterback instead of having a guy who was very effective at quarterback. That was a very they had a very uh, that that career kind of went back and forth. It had its moments both ways. Um, 
you know, I, 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 even looking back on that, I know a lot of uh, UT fans don't like Chris. Uh, they felt like that he didn't uh, answer the bell like he should have at Texas. I don't really blame him that much for that. that no. Was, that was a very confusing time. When, you know, when, you got the, the, when, the, when the head coach can't decide on a quarterback, that makes it very difficult. Yeah, it, 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 was, a, it was a strange time. It was a strange time. Of course, I'd take either one of those two quarterbacks now at the University of Texas. Uh, you know, I don't have a problem with the quarterback. The problem I have is the offensive line. The problem, you know, he's got an all-American left tackle when he's healthy. Uh, but uh, the problem is he hasn't been healthy, and 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 uh, and the running backs haven't been very good. You know, they've been pretty disappointing, uh, except for you know Dante Foreman was pretty good last year. Uh, but that was he was pretty much the offense last year. So uh, that's that's been a struggle. Now Tom Herman came out this week and said, "I'm not getting rid of my offense coordinator." Uh, meaning Tim Beck. After you, I think you called for his ouster. I didn't call for that. You, you, you suggested he would be he would I, be replaced. I, I didn't say he would be replaced this week. I just said that he'll be the one who pays for this. And in the end, I still think he will. All right. So let me get let me get your uh, final four in the CFP. You know, uh, I, I I I homered it up a little bit. I put a Big Twelve team in the bottom of that. I had Alabama, Georgia, Notre Dame, and then I put Oklahoma. And TCU, and then I put <sighs> then I put Clemson in. Are you, are you, are you covering Clemson. all your ba- are you covering all the bases? Yeah, well they're going they're, they're tied together. To so me. what happens Oklahoma, uh, if Oklahoma if Oklahoma beats TCU, they're in your final four. Oh yeah, if TCU beats Oklahoma, they're in your final four. Yeah, who's coming out? Who's coming out? Yeah, who's coming? Mean? Who's coming uh, out who's, of the final four? I told you, I got Notre Dame in. All right, who's I got coming Oklahoma out in. from the from? Is George, do you have Georgia in your final four? Did did I not just say that? I don't know. Tommy, I mean, did I not just say that? Yeah, no. Kerberry asked these questions, and then he doesn't listen for the answers. No! I said Alabama, Georgia, Notre Dame, Oklahoma, TCU, Clemson. No, I heard that. So, so Clemson, close up. So Clemson's <laughs> on your is, is your bubble team. Yeah, yeah, Clemson, Clemson's on. But I, I think Clemson's going to get in. You know, I think this is going to be really difficult for the uh, for the Big Twelve. You know, Notre Dame doesn't have that X. What what, what was what was it when the. Uh, Big Twelve didn't have a uh, a championship game. It was the data point, right? No, Notre the Dame won't, data point. No, yeah. Notre Dame won't have that data point. No, but it's got that. It's, it's got, got the, Notre Dame. It's got Notre Dame. It doesn't need it. You know, uh, I do think though, I, and I know people think that oh, there's a way that both Alabama and Georgia could get in. I think now you see that that can't happen. I think it was good for Notre Dame that the two Big Ten teams fell out. Because now they'll be they'll good for be, everybody. Good for the Big Twelve. Well, but, for, they'll, but they'll be the, they'll be the representative of that part of the country. Yeah, oh yeah, if they want to take a team from there, you're right. They're kind of a they're kind of a faux Big Ten team. So uh, if you have if you have, uh, I think in the end, what's going to end up happening, and I think it'll be Alabama. No Georgia. I think Alabama will beat Georgia in the SEC title game, and that will eliminate Georgia from the conversation. Or I wouldn't be surprised if it went either way. But there'll be one SEC team, either either Alabama or Georgia. So if Alabama loses its only game of the season to Georgia, yeah, in the CFP, yeah. in the uh, uh, SEC, SEC championship, a close game, they're out in your, in your book. Yeah, I think they might be. I think it's hard to say. That won't it? be a best-selling book. No, it won't be. But I just don't think you can – how are you going to leave out – if Notre Dame is undefeated or has one loss, how are you going to leave them out? A one-point loss to Georgia. A one-point loss to Georgia. How are you going to leave out uh, – How are you going to leave out Alabama if they lose by one point to I, Georgia? I think it's it's going to be very difficult uh, because I, I think that the, the problem for me is losing late. You know, that's always been the argument. You can't lose late. If you're going to lose, you need to lose early in the season uh, and not at the end. Uh, so I think that I do think there'll just be one SEC team. 
And I think that uh, you'll have Notre Dame, and then I think Clemson will make it. Then I think that a Big 12 team can get that fourth spot. Oh, well, let me ask you about it. There's an undefeated Big 10 team out there. Wisconsin. What if, what if, what if they run the table? You know, that will really <laughs> throw a monkey wrench in everything. Because how, how can you leave out an undefeated, an undefeated Big uh, 10 team? Will they, they will have won the Big yeah, they'll have to have won the, uh, the Big Ten game. championship game, which I'm assuming, I don't know who that's going to be at this point. Is that going to be Penn State? Is that going to be Ohio State? Uh, you know, I, I, I'm not sure. I don't think people don't love Wisconsin. No, uh, they don't. No, they, they, don't. they don't love them. They're undefeated, and, and they're not even in the conversation right now. Yeah, it's kind of hard to believe for it, but they're in the wrong side of the bracket in, in the in Big the, Ten. That's the problem. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we'll, we'll we'll see how this. You know, this is going to it's going to end up a great finish, and it may end up in that same thing we've talked about earlier this year with our good uh, pal right, Tim Brando. Tim Brando, who says that this is what you need to pray for is that it's a really controversial finish. He said you need to get two SEC teams, two Big Ten teams. Well, you're not getting two Big Ten teams. No. No. You're, you're just going to get – because they've all eliminated Unless you themselves. want to call Notre Dame a Big Ten team right. and, and Wisconsin. Right. But there, there's only one There's only one uh, Big Ten team in contention who does who has fewer than two losses, and that's uh, Wisconsin. Yeah. So, so I think I think it's time to wrap this uh, podcast up. But we have other podcasts. We do have other – what do we have, Barry? Uh, we have David Moore coming up. David Moore. Talk about the Dallas Cowboys. Yes. And we're, we're going to ask Going to pronounce his these very, uh, uh, we'll very well. Have, we'll have David. Why don't you ask him about that one when you have him on? And then we're going to have a, <laughs> uh, what we're going to call an evergreen. Yeah, an evergreen uh, our podcast. Our first po- evergreen podcast where we're just going to talk about ourselves and. Not ourselves. Well, uh, our, our fondest memories of sports. Sports memories, uh, yeah. Of, of events we've covered. Yeah. And, th- and thing and stuff like that. So it, we're we're chock full. We got to thank Chris Sims, who was opinionated, very opinionated, and and cussed a lot. He didn't cuss a lot. No, no, he cussed a lot. He didn't cuss. He see, did. you're, he's you're, an over. You're, as they say, he's an overcuss. No, he didn't cuss a lot. He just used some words that to that were sensitive to your ears. It's right. We we don't allow that kind of stuff in my house. Well, my house. Of course, in your house. My already. house, anything goes. Are you kidding me? <laughs> My kids come down. My kids, when they, since they were six years old, came down smoking cigarettes and uh, drinking beer at breakfast. Bunch of thugs. Thugs, yeah. So, all right. So let's say goodbye. Oh, and and we'd like to say we hope Evan Grant gets feels better. Oh, Evan's had a bad morning. <laughs> maybe maybe we'll re- we're going to have Evan Grant though on the we, Evergreen podcast. If he if he recovers enough, we're going to let him do a little bit of that. With all us. right. So for Kevin Sherrington, I'm Barry Horn. This is Ballsy. See you next week. Bye. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe via iTunes. You'll get new episodes every week. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, sports fans, see you.